It's not an equation. It's not a certain mimic this guy or mimic that lady. But it's praying. Spirit of God takes you in a realm of believing. And we've got to, we've got to get there. We've got to do it. <clears throat> and I hope that we have opportunity to do it tonight. And I hope I don't take too much time. We'll just see what God will do because we need time to seek God and to pray. During some of those teachings and my reading on the side and the various things that I try to do to help myself get a good grip on the Word of God, talking about there, there isn't a blueprint for getting a hold of God. There really isn't. I mean, we like that. We like blueprints. We like six, seven, eight steps to this, and God will move, and uh, you must do this. And just like the teaching was saying, how do you actually conduct your prayer meetings and stuff? And really, there isn't. You just pray. You just pray, and you look for God to, to move and to do something, anything. And I believe God likes a challenge, and I hope that you're stirred tonight to challenge God challenge him. Lord, I, I just absolutely have to have whatever that's been handcuffing you or keeping you from serving God, whatever, whatever it is, um, just simply want to get a hold of God. Even as I was putting this together, I didn't have any idea what I was, again, going to do tonight because it's just uh, overwhelming to take in a, a message and deliver it, and then you got to start all over again. But I heard various comments just walking, no one talking to me, and I thought, man, God, God wants to move mountains tonight. And um, I can't help but say at times I get disappointed when um, our people don't come back. And it does. It just bothers me. And I shouldn't be like that. I know that. I know, I know, I know. I know all that. But I'm just trying to be honest with you tonight. And I'm, I hope that God really starts to stir this church, that there's a buzz. I mean, an absolute buzz for the things of God and, and for the moving of the Spirit of God, in spite of me or whatever, uh, just so that God does something here in this county while we still have life and breath and are able to. Luke one thirty seven. even as I come with this message and, and thinking about it, I, the enemy is always quick to get on me and, and just kind of try to throw cold water on it even before I start, like, I have to like super hype you up or something, and, and I don't have that ability. I don't have that ability. The, the super hyping and the stirring can only come from the Holy Spirit. Now, you can sit there like a lump, and that's what it's going to be. That's, we'll just have another hour or so together, but I really hope that you start being stirred, because I would have to believe that everybody in here has some unbelievable situation that they're facing or that's in their family or their children or themselves or whatever, and you just got to get a hold of God. The Scripture we just referred to, the text, it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing, absolutely nothing. No matter what's going on or how long it's been going on in your life, God is declaring to us even tonight that nothing is impossible. And there has been multitudes of times in this sanctuary alone that I have passed out mustard seeds. Remember them? In fact, they're, they're in there somewhere. And I thought, maybe I should pass them out again, and if I have to, I will. And that whatever it takes for us to get a grasp of how we can get a hold of God. Matthew seventeen twenty in a 
Uh, on down says, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and I would pass those out because sometimes the enemy is dumping on us even like he is to me now as I'm speaking about this is never going to fly, this is never going to go over, you got to have this great faith. We, we, we don't. We don't if you would just have these mustard seeds and place them in your hand. And as I would place them in your hand and you're thinking about the Word of God and the atmosphere and we just worship and I would say to you, do you have enough faith like that up for God in your heart right now? And you all answer, yes, oh yes I do, yes I do. And so we are lining up even tonight to be able to pray and really believe what we're praying for if you just Listen, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, I want you to turn off all Christian TV. Just turn that stuff off, totally off. We're going to listen to the pure word of God tonight. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. I don't know if we will ever understand this, this verse, ever at all. But here's a, here's a few. Just listen to how God can turn absolutely terrible things around. It's absolutely awesome. So if you're in a horrible situation, you're in a perfect place for that miracle and all of a sudden for that thing to be turned around. Now listen to these. Only he could shed blood to create life. I mean, who would come up with that plan? Every ounce, every drop of your blood is going to be shed on the cross. In fact, you're going to thrust the spear deep in your side. You're going to bleed like crazy on the cross. Now, who could come up with that idea that that, let that happen would create life? To be a witness of the horrible crucifixion. And even as I'm preaching, I think of that latest movie of the crucifixion that coming out, and when the Apostle John, I think it is, is standing there watching him, and his eyes are going up as they're lifting Christ up. What would you be thinking at that moment? Oh, this is great. This is going to be great life. No, absolutely not. But if you look at the Word, it says all things work together for good. So if something's being actually crucified in front of you, Look for God in it. Only God can bring life from this stuff. Only God uses pain, unbelievable pain, to bring healing. This, this, uh, we could have sat down for eons trying to, to write a script, but we'd have never come up with this stuff. It says in Isaiah, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I'm healed. With his pain, I'm healed. With his beating, I'm healed and set in right standing with God. Who would have thought of that as he's being whipped again? And you remember his hands on, he's hanging onto that thing in that movie, and his hands are just shaking from the pain. Who would have thought of that? I'm being healed because of this. So if you're taking a beating, if the world is beating a slop out of you, if your boss is beat, look to it, look for God in it. All things work together for good. How about the trial that Christ went to? He allowed injustice to satisfy justice. What? 
He allowed a kangaroo court to bring justice. He allowed liars to come in and lie about him, pay to lie about Christ. He allowed injustice to satisfy justice. Who would have thought of this? This is your God and the situations you are in. The last one I came up with was he accepted rejection to restore acceptance. He accepted being rejected. Get out of here. And they'd slap him and beat him to give me acceptance. What? All things work together for good. You can see if you just believe that God's in control of your life. Isaiah 53, 3, he is despised and rejected of men. Despised. You break and he break. Despised. Not some cute white lily little savior with a trickle of blood. He was despised and beaten. Suffered. Rejection. So that I might have acceptance. This is crazy. Crazy. Despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows. His life was sorrows. Acquainted with grief. I have a little bit, not acquainted with it. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Only the awesomeness of God can accomplish such feats like this. Who could use such an evil act as the crucifixion, crucifixion to accomplish so much good? Who? Almighty God in the flesh, stripped naked by the people he created, hanging on the cross, nude, naked. How could you ever come up with the idea, hey, this is good. This is going to be good. That's beyond us, absolutely beyond us. What I'm saying is no matter what position, no matter what situation you find yourself in, God has the ability to easily turn it around, easily speak, doing something. Why is God letting this? I don't know all the whys. I'd have been standing there as they're bringing up Christ totally naked in front of us, beaten, dying, taking his last breath, going, (gasps) I'd have said, it's over. We better all run for the hills because plans masterfully worked out. So when you come here and all that doubt is screaming at you and you stand before God and you cry out to God for those prayers and those people, expect God, believe God will make a difference no matter what. No matter if the relationship you've had with them has been dead. He's been dead four days by now. He stinketh. You have no clue what God would do and what God will say. We can't figure it out in these little silly minds. Don't you find it fascinating that the serpent who accomplished his greatest victory from the tree, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, and he went, save. Do you find that fascinating? He suffered his greatest defeat from the tree at Calvary. Now, come on. Who could do that? Uh, who can write that script? He's going to deceive the world from the tree. He's going to save the world from a tree. Oh, come on. 
How could you not believe when these things start to line up and you're like, geez, don't you find it ironic that the first Adam succumbed to temptation in the garden and the last Adam overcame the greatest temptation in the garden? Coincidence, happenstance, come on. Your God has laid it all out. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of your faith. How could you not come and be pumped to stand in front of him and to bellow out from the deepest parts of your heart your prayers? Help us, God. Help me, Lord. This is how God works. God can undo anything the enemy has done to you. No matter what, no matter how long, no matter how horrible, no matter how deep, he can undo it. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common, common, not really unbelievably rare. There's no common. God says, taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. You can come and cry out to God. He'll make a way of escape so that you can bear it and that you can finish this course, cross the finish line with God. God can undo anything the enemy has up his sleeve for you or could be trying to play with your mind and spin your emotions. Come and stand before God tonight. Come and stand before the one who can just breathe upon you in your mind and everything just straighten up, become crystal clear. Mark 5, 25 says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, losing blood, constantly bleeding, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, grew worse, I do. I still thank God for the doctors. I thank God for the doctor who fixed that knee. I thank him. I thank you for the nurses that was there and the nurses what they do. But there are times when they just can't do a thing. Not a thing. And we know in Leviticus it tells us for the life of the flesh is in the blood and her life is being drained out. And the enemy will come and he'll play a psychology trick on you. He tries to let the life of God just flow out of you like this lady's blood. She was suffering, totally broken, dying, dying. Twelve years of trials and it grew worse. Tonight, if you do nothing, you are letting the enemy. You're truly giving him free lane and he will drain the very life-giving flow of God out of you tonight. Unless you stand up and say, God, no more! And you cry out to God. Like I talked to you, whether it was, I can't remember, it was National Day Prayer the other day, or maybe both, when one of my children cried out, like something really dangerous happened, and man, I ran over everything to get to him. You cry out to God like that tonight, your God will answer. When, I don't know. How, I don't know. That's not for me to know. Mark 25, uh, Mark I blew the verse. What was, uh, you, you found it, right? I wrote it down wrong. Just put it up there. Listen, it says this in verse 7, Mark 5, 27. When she heard of Jesus, every one of you in this place has heard of him. Every one of you have read his word. 
Every one of you, I hope, at times have been stirred to worship and lift up hands, bow a heart and knee before God. And when this lady, for the first time, heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched him. She reached out when she heard him. Tonight, other than my my voice, natural voice, are you hearing? Other than the magnification of my voice because of the microphone and all them speakers, are you hearing? When she heard, she reached out. Are you going to rise up tonight and say, you know what? I'm starting to believe God. I'm starting to believe God that he'll produce life in my family, that this issue of blood that's killing my family will stop as I stand in the gap and bellow out to a powerful God. Verse 29 says, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. Look, look at me. This is not some mystical religion we are in. She felt something. She felt something in her body. You'll feel something tonight. You'll go away saying, I know, I just know that I know. I felt something tonight from God. Not some mystical, oh, there's a cloud over there, some silly new age junk. She heard, she felt God move in her body. The psalmist said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Do you understand that's what I'm attempting to do tonight? Lead us to the rock. Before we go to the rock, hopefully stir sometimes that thick porridge of faith to try to get it to move and to be stirred by the word of God. Bible says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Now, it doesn't say no weapons shall be formed. What it says is that they won't prosper. They'll miss their mark. They'll miss. Oh, the smoke might go and the shrapnel over your head, but God said it will not prosper. No weapon formed or fashioned against you shall prosper. That word weapon means artillery. It means big guns. You've got to have believing prayer. Stirred by the Spirit of God. To start believing God when you come and you pray. Like never before. Even when the enemy has you totally surrounded. Totally surrounded. There's absolutely no way out on every side. You, you've seen this in the word of God over and over and over and over. This is where God places us. This is where God puts us. And he does these tremendous miracles. These tremendous turnarounds. All things work together. Second Kings 6.15 and when the servant of the man of God was ri- risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, 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 what shall we do? Totally surrounded. You've been in these situations time and time again. You're still in your right mind. You're still serving God. He'll do it again. What do we do? Alas, those great words. Then Elisha said, he answered and said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Do you believe that? Those that bother you and haunt you and try to work at your mind and your emotions are a mere penance of what God has for us. Rows and rows and rows and rows of those that are for us than those that are against. This is just too awesome. 
Our God is a mountain-melting, Red Sea-splitting, axe-head-floating, dead-raising, blind-eye-opening, sea-walking, star-breathing God. That's your God. This is the one you're going to bring that son of yours to, or that daughter to, the one that breathes stars. How could you not have believing prayer? How can you not be coming down and saying, well, man, my daughter's in for it tonight because I'm going to lose heaven after her. Absolutely. Believing prayer. Almighty God can undo anything. We just live in a stupor. We live in a coma or something. We just need to wake up and start to really believe. Mark 2, 1 says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. Listen, and it was noise that he was in the house. Man, that's the kind of noise we want. What? Jesus is here? Absolutely. He's in this house tonight. The word of God confirms it. I brought him. He lives in my heart. Who else brought him? He lives in your heart. Where two or three are gathered, where am I? In the midst. He's here. And you have to have believing prayer, not just nodding. Yeah, I know that. I know that scripture too. Believing, absolutely believing prayer. It was noise about to hear. What kind of noise? Psalm 18, 16 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. I cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple. That type of praying. And I'm, you better get this. I'm not talking about a certain form or a certain fashion. Gosh, we have so much of that stuff in America. In my distress, you get into distress, you'll call upon the Lord, you'll cry unto God like you never did before. And then the answer will come, he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. God's ears. Right now. And I have no idea who you might come and pray for, but if you do it the way the book says, it's going to go into the ears of Almighty God. And if you don't do it, he won't hear it. I don't, that's the way he's decided to work. Humanity and divinity working together. Put us in the garden, tend it, now keep it. God tells you all the time, ask. Most of the time he tells us what? You don't get it because you ask amiss. You don't even believe what you ask for. Or you ask for silly things. That has nothing to do with the word of God. Psalms 121.1 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. For whence cometh my help? That's what you need to do tonight. You will lift up your eyes under the hills. God has the ability to reach deep down inside and turn a twisted and confused heart. God can. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. That word keepeth means to guard. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper or protection. The Lord is the shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Can you stand before God and believe this tonight? The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth. 
even forevermore. Help is on the way from God. Can you believe it? Can you pray like Daniel? Can you pray like the, these people have prayed and sought God? And the help came. Maybe totally not in the form that they thought. But so what? Jeremiah 33 3 says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Call unto me. Man, what's that definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. You're crazy. We're crazy. We have to ratchet it up. We really do. I got some old-time preaching every once in a while. I'm going to try to play it when we got a chance. We got, always got a 50 million announcement, it seems like. But he starts this off. He says, you walk into most churches with a bucket of milk. By the time you get up to the pulpit, it'll be a gallon of ice cream because it's so cold in the house of God. That's the way we pray and expect it to move God. He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Look, I need some callers. I need people that will call upon God. I need people that will respond to prayer meetings. We're not. We just aren't. We still aren't. I do. I need them. I don't know when, but I think I'm going to call for a 5 a.m. prayer time. Let's pray from 5 to 6. Get a hold of God. It's going to take extraordinary steps than what we've been doing. I need some callers, and I don't need a shotgun approach. We take a shotgun and hope to hit that wall. No, we need to zero in on things. Zero in on people's lives who are backslidden, cold, far from God. It's not a shotgun. You need to zero in. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And the only righteousness in you is found in Christ. So you all line up with that. If you're truly a believer, his righteousness is upon you. And you can stand before God with the righteousness of Christ and have an effectual prayer life. We still don't. We really don't. So, I mean, we do a little bit. Please, this is not condemnation. This is instruction. This is like, come on, we got to... A lot of times when we have our prayer times on Wednesday, they end up in talking times at the at the altar. Even when you're maybe even trying to do good and help somebody. But we, we come together for maybe after a, a lesson for 40 minutes to, to pray together. Don't talk to that person. Talk to that one. It'd be the best thing for that person if God starts to move and get a hold of God. See, we're just so out of sorts, we don't know what's right anymore. That's why I think I'm going to try to find some of that old-time gospel preaching. Because you don't, you don't hear it. You just don't. I'd rather you watch the NHL, the NFL, and Major League Baseball than watch Christian whatever they call that station. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. New Living Translation simply says, look, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful, wonderful results. 
That's what this church needs to be. I'm telling you, God is calling this place up. Or he's calling us up. He's calling us up. This is an awesome thing. This is a stirring that God does. God doesn't stir. I'll bring my sermons to you and you'll say amen. Much of our prayer, I believe, is not effective simply because it's not fervent. It's not like when my son cried out for help from his dad. It's all the others. Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have this? Dad, Dad, can you come here? Dad, Dad, I need water. Dad, can I have a drink? But when the tone changed and I heard it in the voice, that's what God wants. That's what He wants and expects from us. And that comes from the Spirit of God. That comes from God the Holy Ghost. You just can't come up here and say, I'm going to do that. No, that, that's the reason why we, we're trying to dive into the Spirit of God on Wednesday. Dive into the things of God and the Spirit of God. Have Him teach us through others who have, uh, have had some form of success. So much of our prayers, I believe, are not effective simply because we're not, we're not fervent. We're just not. It's offered with lukewarm attitudes that virtually ask God to care about something we hardly do. And it's just, it's just not going to happen. It just isn't. John 11.40 said, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shalt see the glory of God. As David Wilkerson would say, give me your good eye. I'm saying this to you tonight. But I believe God is saying to us that if you would believe, you're going to see the glory of God. If you would believe. Mark 6 says this. Look, remember I told you from the very beginning, I almost skipped the opening text. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Because sometimes the enemy will tell me, how many times can you say that? How many times can you preach that? How many times can you use that text? How many times can you sing that song? And you start to go, yeah, it's true. I don't even get it. How am I expecting them to get it? This is why he does this. Mark 6, 5 says, and the Lord's talking about the Lord. He could there do no mighty works, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them. God Almighty. Why? And he was marveled. He marveled because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. Two things are going on. Either you're stirring to say, man, I can't wait to get up there and cry out to God. Or you're just like... Well, you can tell he's winding down. That's it. Those, those are the two. Last verse simply says, And there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. What do you think was going through his mind? Never walked. Never. Never took a step. All deformed, messed up. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed. That tells me I should be able to see something. See faith on people's face. See when someone says, I believe. Not this silly stuff that's gone on for years. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. Please. Paul perceived that he said with a loud voice, Stand up! And he leaped 
to his feet. That's what believing prayer, that's what faith does. No matter what doldrums you find yourself in, believing prayer that you could believe God when everything, including yourself, screams almost the other way. I'm just looking for people who want to come and stand and call upon God and start pouring out their heart before God. Start asking God for whatever is going on in your life, for whatever needs to, to happen in you, with you, for you, us, me, church, the world, Ohio, whatever, you, yourself, and start calling upon God. And God is saying to you, did not I tell you? If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Who wants